right, welcome to episode number two of the Your Home Buying Guy podcast. This is your one-stop shop home buying guide where every week I'm going to bring in industry experts to answer all of the most common home buying questions. I'm your host, Guy DiPolcito, and this week we are joined by Caitlin E. Sullivan. Uh, Kayla, I want to start this off letting you brag about yourself for a little bit here. Uh, so tell us about like how long you've been a realtor, who you work for, any awards you might have won, and I'll kind of give you the floor here. Thank you for that great intro. Yes, everyone. Hello, I'm Caitlin E. Sullivan from the Caldwell Banker Realty Boston Back Bay office. Fun fact about me, I am a Metro West area, specifically Framingham native, but I've lived in Boston and now own a condo in East Boston. So I like to say to my clients, I serve Boston and the Burbs for selling and buying needs. I know today we're focusing on home buying. I'm currently ranked in the top 5% of Caldwell Banker agents worldwide, which I guess is something to brag about. So thank you. And most recently, I've had two fun wins to kind of put on my career resume. Last year in 2022, I was awarded the Caldwell Banker International 30 under 30. So that was specific Caldwell agents under the age of 30 represented from four different countries. So that was a cool international award. But most recently, I was elected by National Association of Realtors, Realtor Magazine, 30 Under 30 class, which was kind of my career goal when I became a realtor. And I began in business technically in 2020, but I like to say that I came out of the womb doing it because my mother has been in real estate since 1985 and my grandmother has been or was in real estate in the 60s and 70s. So I'm extremely passionate about my job and my career and I uh, definitely think it's in the blood and my mom still practices and I can't wait to be doing this for people helping you all for the next 30 plus years. Start start breaking some records that she has obviously off to a pretty good start so love to hear it uh, but I do want to I want to dive into some questions here because as a as a loan officer with cross country I'm working with buyers every day where they've just got a ton of questions and I like to be the one to educate as a podcast host talking about all of this. I want to give other people the opportunity to kind of voice their opinion on the matter. So I've got some questions that I've been asked. I'm curious your opinion on some of them, but you know, as far as you, before we dive into everything else, like what is the one thing that you think you do better than every other realtor? I think that's a bit of a loaded question, but <laughs> I I would say it's couple of personality traits that can be coupled, which definitely deliver a seamless experience and ultimately get my buyers to win homes. I think my innovative approach in everything I do from starting with the digital buyer presentation upon us meeting to then moving into a shared note with my clients, a, a digital shared file that we um, take notes on their preferences, sh share feedback post showing so we can kind of have a dream goal list for what their home's going to look like. We're, we're always connected digitally, of course, by phone. And then the other personality trait that comes into play would be my forward thinking mindset. So coupled with my innovation, for example, Guy, it's one of my favorite anecdotes, actually, one of our buyers, I uh, coupled my innovative and forward thinking ideas when we had this shared client, you and I, Guy, Wednesday night, the property came back on the market. The client and I were texting around 10 p.m. And I 
begged and called and got us in for a Thursday showing, even though the house was being cleaned and technically showings weren't going to be till Friday. I said, no worries. We can look past the mess. And my forward thinking mindset brought my hotspot or brought my laptop for my hotspot, um, had the client bring the checkbook and coupled with my use of technology and innovative thinking, as well as knowing what my client likes. I knew she was going to like that house and want to make an offer. So it was around noon that Thursday, we got the offer in, had the home inspection actually scheduled for that Friday, and we had the offer accepted by Thursday at five. I told the agent, you can keep the other showings for backup, but kind of that forward thinking, always being ready for the next play, being proactive and innovative are two unparalleled characteristics, I think, that have really helped me get a lot of buyers in the door in the really, really tough home buyers market here in Massachusetts. Yeah. And I think that's so important because we live in a, a day and age where technology runs everything, right? So the fact that you're going out there and utilizing all of that to the like, maximum capabilities, I think is super important. The fact that you have that shared note making it very easy for you. I mean, honestly, I've used shared notes mostly awesome. for like grocery <laughs> lists uh, that too, with honestly. my wife. And that's, that's basically <laughs> the extent that I use it. But uh, the fact that you're using that in the home buying process, making sure that all of the thoughts are in one area. So it's not just a constant, let me text Caitlin and right. We're always ask on the what same she said page. about it. Correct. Yeah. Like exactly. that to me, I love that. I think that's a, a really good tool that, you know, buyers should acknowledge, but other realtors should also kind of take advantage of because I think that's a huge selling point for you. Absolutely. But, so when you first meet with a client, there's a there's a lot of different ideas, ideologies on this. But when you first meet with a client, they ask you what the home buying process is supposed to look like. Where does it start? How, how are you starting that explanation for them? Well, like I said, I joined in 2020. So we were definitely in a digital marketplace. I typically I offer a Zoom consultation off the bat and I have a beautiful start to finish picture that I present to them. And we walk through everything. We talk about the, the true formula of the process. Um, and I think that's a, a great kind of interview time. If it was a, a blind lead or a referral, it's a great time for them to see if they gel with my personality. I think that's an important key step because yeah. you you want to find out if, if I am the right person to help you make probably the biggest decision investment of your life. So we always have either if a Zoom doesn't work out, we definitely do a phone call or an in-meeting, in-person meeting is another route as well than I would give the presentation by paper. Um, so I, I start with that and I always make sure my clients are pre-approved. I know during COVID, some listings, we couldn't even go out if there was no pre-approval already given to the listing agent. I As I've grown in my career and realized time is of the essence and time is yep. a valuable thing, I will maybe give one or two kind of freebie showings. But if my client's not pre-approved yet or really far off, maybe they're self-employed and still need another year, for my time and their time, we're not really going to go to showings. But once we've gone through and they're pre-approved, ready to get out there and make good offers, or maybe they're three, six months out, I'll still show them stuff because I know we'll be working together. But I always try and get to the house with them if I can do private showings because I have no problem being blunt and pointing out defects and really doing my duty as a realtor, educating them on 
items that they probably wouldn't catch out, catch on to um, in viewing homes. So it's a really hands-on process. I'm as communicative as they want me to be. I explain every step of the process. And from that initial meeting, I set expectations about the amount of time from writing an offer to close, talk about closing costs, stuff like that. I try and give a huge overarching approach at the initial consultation. And we've obviously done a deal together. Like we've worked together with a couple clients. And I think one of the things that you do really well is constantly communicate with every party, whether it be attorneys, whether it be the lender, myself, whether it be the clients, you can always expect Caitlin E. Sullivan to be there making sure the process is going smooth. I appreciate that as a lender because that's something that typically I'm the one that's trying to coordinate everything. And I certainly do as far as like coordinating all communication with the real estate attorney and yourself, but you're always like lockstep. And not only are you lockstep, but you're there with like the most bubbly personality ever, which is always <laughs> kind of a breath of fresh air, which is nice. But it is, I mean, when you're talking about the first step, like I like that you have that kind of slideshow that you're walking them through. But it, I mean, the number one thing that I think a lot of buyers should be taking from this is you should be getting pre-approved early on. Right, right, definitely. You talk about, you know, time is of the essence, time is money. Like you don't want to go out there wasting a lot of time on houses that you might not qualify for. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people that I talk to kind of have questions. They're like, oh, well, I mean, I haven't really seen any houses that I like. Right. You don't even know which houses you qualify for. Exactly. And that's something I always tell people because sometimes I have those Zoom consults and they're ready to go. They've already done the homework. Kind of one of my first slides I show them is first choose your real estate professional, then get pre-approved. But it's always, like you said, a breath of, breath of fresh air. And they've already done that piece of the puzzle because it is kind of like the homeworky filled task yeah. part of the process. Then I'll also have those polar opposite clients who are, they've been window shopping for two years on Zillow. And they think that they can afford 650 and they're looking at 400 max. And that's A, devastating news. And B, you know, if they just had that initial. Exactly. And it's a wake up call. And yeah, I think the pre-approval is absolutely crucial because you you also want to get a good idea. And part of the pre-approval process, you want to get an idea of what your monthly payment's going to look like. Um, And what do you think about when people are just super scared to do the pre-approval because of their credit? I get that question a lot as a realtor. So from a from a lending perspective, we have the ability to do soft pulls. So honestly, that's one of the areas that I'm going to more often than not at this point, because the way that we have the ability to do soft pulls, I can pull all three credit bureaus scores, but I also have the ability to take in all of their monthly debts without actually being an inquiry on credit, which is kind of impressive. A lot of soft pulls out there, you'll only get a score. And I'm still getting a full scope of everything without actually impacting their credit. Now, once someone gets an offer accepted, I need to do a hard pull. Like I need to do an actual inquiry. But out of all of the ones that I've done, there's never been a difference between the hard pull and the soft pull. So to me, it's like, shouldn't be a huge distraction uh, from or kind of a roadblock for a lot of buyers, you need to make sure that they're comfortable with the budget. Right. And that's what I think is so valuable with the rates. Yeah. So like that's that's why, I mean, when you're talking about getting pre-approved, it's obviously important because you want to see what you qualify for. But one of the things that I try to focus on with all of my clients 
before I'm giving out a max approval, I want to ask them what their budget is. Like if they've put together a budget, how much they're comfortable spending, because those numbers might be drastically different. Right. With interest rates being so high right now, their payment on, you know, a, let's just say $450,000 house might be $400 a month more expensive than they were expecting just because they didn't know where the rates were at that current time. Right. right? So when I'm going through and pre-approving somebody, I'm not sitting here blasting out their max pre-approval. I'm sitting down asking them what they're comfortable with as far as a budget goes. Right. And, and I think that's there, a reverse engineering the process and figuring out what they should be looking at instead of what they like what the max qualification is right and that's something i definitely appreciate about your services as a lender um and i wanted to throw the compliment back your way that you were saying i was very communicative because you are also very communicative when i was doing a transaction with you recently get a call from you i'm like is this a good or a bad call but it was just up and on the process, but going back to the approach of asking them the budget first, that's definitely refreshing to hear because sometimes the clients who have come to me and already done the pre-approval, they'll just say, oh yes, I have a pre-approval for 600, but then I have to then dig and say, okay, do you know what your monthly payment is yeah. from that? And they'll just say, oh no, you know, so-and-so just sent me a pre-approval. But I definitely like that re reverse engineering approach because I think the cost of living for you know, 20s, 30s age bracket right now, a lot. mortgage payment is a lot to chew with the cost of everything. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, when you're when you're going in and putting in all of these offers, let's say you have the perfect price point that you're looking at, your clients are happy, you're happy. When you're going to put in an offer, like what tips do you have to make your offer stand out, be as strong as possible? Kind of going to my innovative trait, um, that I mentioned earlier about my realtor skills. I carry that innovation to the offer writing. I don't want to give all my tips and tricks away publicly, <laughs> but if you work with me, buyers will get you offer accepted. <laughs> but I definitely do an innovative approach. I make a huge combined PDF. If realtors are still submitting an offer with multiple PDFs, your client's not getting the house. Realtors, you need to submit a single PDF to the listing agent. If they're reading 10 offers and there's that one offer that's piecemeal, eight pieces, you're not getting it. Yeah. You need to set yourself apart with a nice, nice cover page. I build crazy amount of rapport with every listing agent that I think my client might even be semi, you know, interested in. If, if the house goes on on Wednesday and they have an offer deadline of Monday, I am being best friends with that agent for the next five days because yeah. at, the time of sitting with the sellers, there might be a mirroring offer, but the fact that I personally built a great rapport with the listing agent and submitted a beautiful single PDF packet with a nice cover photo or a nice cover page and a nice offer summary, those types of tips and tricks are such a service to your buyers that that might end, end up being um, the winning factor as well. I try and pre-schedule the inspection if, if they're putting a inspection contingency. I always have the lenders call to assure, hey, this buyer is a slam dunk if they're having a finance contingency. Yeah. It's really, the offer is a summary of the whole transaction. I need to make sure every duck is in a row for every piece of the transaction upon sending that email submission. And I've spoken to the lawyer, can you hit this tight purchase and sale? Spoken to the lender, can you get me a 
16 day clear to close. I, I make sure my client, they're probably overwhelmed, but I make sure they know that I'm communicating with everyone. So if we get this offer accepted, that it's going off without a hitch. So yeah. kind of, again, going back to the earlier question, I am innovative, communicative, I build rapport, and I make sure the pieces of the offer, their inspection, finance, et cetera, are accounted for and are as aggressive as that buyer is able to do within their comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, listen, the buyer's always go- going to be overwhelmed. Like it's a, it's a massive purchase, like probably the biggest purchase they'll ever make in their life. Like it's absolutely going to be overwhelming for them. But as far as like making the offer as strong as possible, any sort of complication that you add into the mix is going to turn the listing agent off. Right. Right. So creating one single PDF, making it as easy to read as possible, sets you a little bit higher up on their scale, right? Makes exactly. it easy for them to relay the information to their sellers. It's a little, it's a lot easier. Right. I right. even have the attorney there, the lender there, my business yep. card. I've also gotten offers on my listings before. I have the person's email address, but they don't have an email signature with a phone number for me to call. Yeah. So it's, it's the agents that are doing the bare minimum that I think they're really disservicing their buyers in this market. It, yeah. it, who you work with matters. And I think you as a buyer need to select carefully because customer service is ultimately going to put you in a good position to win and a long-term you know, situation. Sure. Kind of going to a, a different avenue here. If you're a first-time buyer or if I'm a first-time buyer, what is one of the things that you often see most buyers surprised by throughout the process? Well, if kind of at the beginning of the process, I ask my buyers, do you know and understand that in addition to your down payment, you need money aside for closing costs? So maybe someone has 30 grand in their account and that's their home buying money. I'm like, okay, so maybe 22 of that's your down payment. We need about six to eight for closing costs. Yeah, That's something that I think throws people off. The other piece I explain at the beginning is think of your down payment as three chunks. Chunk one, you need a checkbook and to submit an earnest money deposit with your offer. You're not exchanging the money unless offer accepted, but you need to have a checkbook to submit an offer in this day and age. Although it might be digital eventually. Um, and then you need to bring 5% of your down payment, unless you're FHA or VA, later story. But at the second contract, which is the purchase and sale in Massachusetts, you need to be prepared to have the next chunk of your down payment. And then on closing day, you bring the, the rest of the down payment plus closing costs. I think some people just think they write this offer, do an inspection, then go bring their down payment somewhere. I think it's important to really explain closing costs plus down payment and then how your down payment gets sliced throughout the process. Yeah. I think that's probably the most common question I get asked as well. Like what's the difference between down payment and cash to close? And a lot of people just assume down payment is all encompassing where closing costs can be pricey depending on the attorney that you use. So it's, it's a number of things that go into cash to close, but you know, 12 months of homeowner's insurance, you're paying for taxes up front for at least a quarter, right? You're paying a real estate attorney fees. All of that gets added into one giant sum of money right? Uh, that gets added onto the down payment that brings you your total cash to close. So yeah, I think that is one thing that I try to educate all of my buyers on 
very early on in the process because it's not a small amount of money. Like it's right. a substantial amount that they're needing to come up with. Right. Um, Would you say this is correct? I typically hope it's correct because I've been using this one liner. I say, hey, you can kind of expect your closing costs to be about one to one and a half percent of the loan value. Yeah. I mean, it can be a little bit higher. I will say this, a lot of realtors that I've talked to think it's somewhere between three and 5%. Because if you Google it, right. it will it will literally tell you three to 5%, which I do not think is anywhere close to accurate. Down payment itself or closing costs itself are going to be right around one to one and a half percent. And then you have some of the prepaids that might push it a little bit higher than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the prepaids are, you know, the 12 months of homeowners insurance, quarterly taxes, stuff like that, that gets added on that you're paying up front. So that can bring you over the one and a half percent, but you're pretty pretty spot on. It's definitely a good a good estimate to give them. But again, a lot of those questions, send them to their lender guy. <laughs> and just make sure that they're getting, because you don't want to, you also don't want to give like, Misleading. give an estimate in a lot right. of cases because real estate attorneys, honestly, the fees are all over the place. Right. You might have a real estate attorney that charges a thousand dollars just to have a conversation with them where that might not happen in every circumstance. So uh, knowing who the real estate attorneys are, knowing what their fees are is important. And that's something that the lender typically is looking at. The other big thing that I'm more curious about, this is something I'm obviously running into all the time as well with the rates being where they are. But outside of rates, what is the most common reason you're hearing you know, potential buyers deciding that they're just holding off for the time being and not buying right now? I think it's so... I just want to shake people sometimes when when they think, oh, I'm just going to wait for the rates to go down. And I'm saying, don't you remember the insanity that was 2020, 21, first half of 22? I mean, I got licensed August 2020. There was only one ever slight window where my buyers had a leg up. And that was from mid-September of last year, 2022 to December. Being Framingham, being one of my bigger sub-markets, that bidding war has happened regardless of the rates. So I try and really, if home ownership is within their means, I think I try and encourage them to at least get out there and get educated and sure, wait it out if you want to wait for the rates. But Maybe you can lock in this price and you won't have to go 100K over ask if they the rates come back to five or probably never four and a half. But so I try and tell people that what goes up must come down. And right now the rates are up. Buyer pool is down, but they go down. Buyer pool goes up. Yeah. So that's kind of my food for thought. But I wanted to ask you, some people say the expression, marry the house, date the interest rate. Yep. And I've heard conflicting views on that. I think as a realtor, it sounds good to me. But I guess I wanted to talk about that because... You know, so I, I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. And the way, like, the way I wrap my head around it is you're only given the opportunity to buy your house at that price point once. Right. Right. So if you go in and I posted this not too long ago on Instagram, but if you go in and try and buy a house in 2020 at, you know, 365 and the interest rates are really low, you're going to bid over asking for that house. Let's say that same house in 2023, instead of being worth $365,000, 
you're paying 550 grand for it now. Right. With and a that's just the way <laughs> and that's just it, it correct with a higher rate. So obviously rates will fluctuate. Right. But we've pretty consistently seen in like the houses appreciating. Right. Right. We're averaging like 10% year over year. Like that's just what it's going to be. Right. This same house that you're looking at now at a slightly higher interest rate, you're probably not going to overpay by 40 plus grand. Because there's really not a lot of inventory. There's really not a lot of people looking. Right. So you go in now where interest rates are high, you'll face less competition. You won't have to overpay a ton. You still right. probably will have to bid over asking a little bit, but not a right. ton. The average right now, I just saw Caldwell Banker. We had a town hall meeting and the average listing is getting at least three offers still. And- yeah, but three <laughs> offers compared to, I don't know, what was it when they were... When yeah, the I was in, um, you're looking at 20. Yeah, I was in a couple with like mid 30s, 36 offers, 38. So it's it's a lot. I mean, that's that's kind of my mindset around it is because you're you can wait until rates to go down. You certainly can. Uh, but what's going to happen in that time period is the the cost of the home is going to go up drastically right. because appreciate houses appreciate. That's just how it works. Um, but you're also going to end up going in with a lot more competition. So it's, you've got two sides of it. You can go in and find a house with a lower interest rate. So you can probably afford slightly more. Uh, But the downside of that is significantly more competition. It might take you a lot longer to find a house, or you could go with the timing where interest rates are a little bit higher. You won't have as much competition. You might be able to get in a little bit faster and you can always refinance down the road. Right. I think that's where I think that's the key to all of this, right? Is you're not the whole marry the house, date the rate. The whole backbone of that is you're not sitting there forced into keeping a seven percent interest rate over the course of thirty years. Right. Six months down the road, a year down the road, refinance and you're done with it. Right. Who are the people who can't refinance? Really, I mean, it depends on credit. I mean, if their credit took a nosedive over the course of buying the house, they won't be able to refinance. But you also do need to get to 80% uh, loan to value ratio in order to refinance. So if you get to, well, otherwise you're not going to build, you're still going to be paying PMI. It really wouldn't be worth refinancing at that rate. But in most scenarios, again, that house is going to appreciate. You probably will be able to get to that 20%, uh, you know, essentially down where you have 20% equity in that property. So that's kind of the big thing that a lot of people are looking for is I want to refinance where it's going to have the most impact. A big part of that is going to be getting rid of PMI, Mm -hmm. right? So if you can get to 80% loan to value, PMI is no longer required. Your interest rate is going to be better anyway. Uh, So you're kind of knocking two birds with one stone. Hundreds off your monthly payment. Correct. And I, I would say the other thing, um, obviously the rates we chatted about, but buyers, their barrier to entry, I think kind of just the, the cost of living right now. And I, I do think there is kind of a demographic shift in that social media has a huge effect on what's happening with our buyers. I think people are spending more money on experiences or traveling as opposed to the home and the white picket fence, traditional life. Um, so I think external, environmental, innovative factors are kind of changing the mindset of some people. But 
if people are really looking towards that home ownership goal, I would just say keep saving, look yeah. into any disc or CD saving programs that are going on with your local bank to get a, you know, get some extra interest earned, get a high yield savings account. And you want to have an emergency fund because yeah. on closing day, you're bringing the down payment and your closing costs, but home ownership is still expensive. Emergencies happen. AC systems break, roofs go, leaks happen. Yeah. Um, I think people should also have emergency funds and, um, I think savings in the Massachusetts area, at least, is another unfortunate factor that has kind yeah. of kept people out of the buyer pool. So, I think, that I think that's a I think that's a really good point. It's something that you don't hear a lot of people talking about. Like, if you are in a mode of trying to save as much as possible, there are a lot of you know savings accounts where you can actually make a good amount of money back in interest. Like going to your local bank sometimes is going to be tough. Like they might give you a tenth of a percent. Right. But if you've got a Discover credit card, they have a savings account where the interest is like 4.05%. So it's like 4,000 times more than what right. you'd get at your local bank. Right. Robinhood has another one that's over 4%. There are a lot of other, I think Chase has one that's close to 5 Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of other programs where if you start putting your money in there instead of strictly a bank account, like a checking account, you can start to make your money kind of work for you right. and start building up more of a, a savings for right. that potential down payment. And I, yeah, I think that was something when I was working towards my own down, down payment, I, I just kind of had money sitting in a checking and then looking yeah. back, I'm like, Oh, I should have, you know, taken advantage of those opportunities. Granted the returns weren't as great at the time. All right. Well, I know we're, uh, we're getting close on time here. So I want to end with one question here. What is the biggest piece of advice you've ever been given? Not that you've given someone, but what's the biggest piece of advice you've ever been given as a, a new realtor? Okay. Well, we were just talking about savings and investments. I think Key food for thought here for the nervous home buyers is real estate is historically the best investment. Stocks come up and down, companies come and go, but real estate is historically the, the best investment. And I think um, giving yourself potentially that nest egg to count on when you're older, if you can invest in a home when you're 20 and 30, and then you retire at 65, sell that home at 75, you have a huge nest egg to count on. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my advice to the buyers out there pondering homeownership. But as a realtor, the best advice that I've received for my realtor hat would be to stay in your own lane. There are so many of us realtors out there, hence why I said at the initial consultation, see if, see if our personalities vibe, if you yeah. want to work uh, together. But there's so many realtors to choose from and kind of going back to the social media thing that's changing our brains, comparison is a thief of joy. So fellow realtors, if you're spending time stalking all the other realtors, seeing what they closed this week, last month, oh, checking out their, their annual units closed, that's not serving you any good or your clients. So really yeah. stay in your lane, realtors, and remember that comparison is a thief of joy. Just put your energy and efforts into your clients and your um, sphere and keep a positive mindset. And I think the mindset is also 
absolutely crucial with our business because our energy is magnetic. And if you're down in the dumps, no market in the rates, people are going to pick up on that. But if you're yeah. positive, business is good. People <laughs> read that energy. And I think you have to be happy and, you know, think towards the future in a positive way. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, that is where we're going to wrap things up. Caitlin E. Sullivan, I appreciate you hopping on. Thank uh, you for have having a me. great rest of the day, guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guy. Have a good one.